What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of Underground Cartoon Therapy. Therapy, therapy, therapy. <laughs> I'm your host, Adam. Adam Air, MD, GED. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by The Strain Moose and Lobster. <laughs> It really is fucking awesome. Today I'm going to tell you the story about uh, how I met R. Crumb. I remember it was like 94 or 95 when the Crumb movie came out. Terry's wig off uh, had directed it and David Lynch actually produced it. It's a pretty good fucking flick. Uh, probably one of the best movies about Robert Crumb. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching that movie and I remember like he was already a part of my life for so long you know and <laughs> since I was a little kid by the time I had met him you know he did ask me how, how long have I been reading underground comics and I said since I was nine and he went Jesus Christ. <laughs> Classic crumb. Here, I'm going to go ahead and start the shit. And, uh, <laughs> this will be a great, uplifting episode. We've had some episodes that have been intense. But, uh, just kick back, get your snack lens on. And I'll just go ahead and do the rest for you. <laughs> it was 79, getting ready to turn into 80. And I knew that the shit fucking storm was getting ready to hit pretty much America, and it did. And you can look around now and you can see where the fuck all this crap ended. For me, I knew my role and uh, it was a cartoonist <clears throat> I remember uh, just being addicted to fucking sugar cereal and all these Saturday morning cartoons and I knew I wanted to draw shit that looked like that these things that were being shown to me Bob, it was just syndicated fucking crap from like 20 years back too, even. At that point, you know, you had... R. Crumb was getting syndicated in underground comics in America. I wasn't exposed to that yet. I was getting ready to, and I remember the time period. I was nine years old, like I said. It was around that time, heavily addicted to sugar cereal. <laughs> Booberry. Ugh. Frankenberry, Count Chocula, the big three. You know, these guys are your friends. <laughs> it really encouraged me to draw a lot. Being all pumped the fuck up on sugar and all the shit that I was seeing Saturday mornings. I started drawing crap. Working on eyes. I remember Scooby-Doo was the first time I saw these eyes that I loved and 
it was the beginning of Where Are You Scooby-Doo. So not Scooby-Doo, not the first one, but the Where Are You Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, where are you? <laughs> I'm so baked. Anyway, at the very beginning, you got this fucking black frame and these three sets of evil eyes pop out. It goes, and I was inspired as fuck. So now I had this want to draw something angry and my love for fucking Oscar the Grouch just being my favorite motherfucker, you know? <laughs> Started getting into that angry shit. That was that was a good sign. That's positive, <laughs> you know? These are where the directions we needed to go in to really know where we're at. And uh, at one point, my dad had scored this Amish barnyard wood, and he remodeled my him and my mom's bedroom with all this cool ass burnt down, struck by lightning Amish barnyard wood. <laughs> but there was this like little uh, little hidden compartment he had, you know. He thought he could hide it from me. That didn't work out so well. That wasn't in his favor. I was a big time snooper, man, going through everybody's shit. I needed to know. At one point, I found the little compartment that was in his wall, and I pulled the fucking... <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. I pulled the uh, doorknob back, and lo and behold, there was this fucking awesome-ass stash of just all these X-rated National Lampoons, Zap comics, R. Crumb comics. There was all this shit, man. Anais Nin trade paperbacks, Conan the Barbarian, Doc Savage. All the things that he didn't want my mom to fucking know that that's who he really was reading this shit. Old issues of fucking heavy metal back there. Needless to say, I'm like, you know what, dude? So I picked up this fucking issue of National Lampoon. It was the first thing I went for. It wasn't our chrome. It was National Lampoon. And I opened it up to the back. And there was this little drawing of Casper the Friendly Ghost. And he had this fucking huge ass heart on. And he's fucking Wendy the Witch. And she's squirting all over his dick. You're welcome. Thank you. You're, yes. Pretty awesome. And, uh... I saw that image and it burnt in my head. And I knew then I wanted to draw shit like that. Even though I had no idea what the fuck I was looking at. I knew it was wrong. And I remember the way it made me blush all hard. And I remember the way it made me like feel like I was so vulnerable to this fucking thing. And then I remember in the same instance stepping away from it and realizing I'm going to do shit like this one day. That's a pretty intense feeling. And, uh, of course the next comic I picked up was R. Crumb. Zap Comics, like, number zero. <laughs> You're welcome. I know, I do have great taste, you're right. <laughs> I 
Mental illness runs in my family pretty fucking hardcore. By 2004, I was already being abused by mental health system in Colorado. One thing after another led me to fucking get to Palo Alto. I applied for a mad genius program. <laughs> and the state of California had pulled the plug on the project. By the time I was ready to go do it, you know. And I knew that I was pretty desperate. So I did this thing where I was like, well, I'm going to go to fucking Stanford anyway. And I uh, was doing a solo acoustic death metal comedy act called Crack Owl in Denver. Did it for about three years, did about 150 shows. The joke wore thin. Now Crack Owl was something else, and that's kind of how I ended, that's not kind of, it's how I entered Stanford University. And I went to the psychology department, and I got fucking locked into fucking, <laughs> locked up for about a month and a half. When I first got there, they asked me what organization I was with. I was like, I'm not with a fucking organization. I'm here to get a proper diagnosis because I know I'm fucking dealing with some serious mental illness. Thankfully, through Stanford University, I was able to get diagnosed with uh, having complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Something kind of fucking brand new still. But, um... My brother found out. I told him the story. I told him I wanted to translate it into a novel. He's like, I'll give you fucking 90 days to translate it into a novel. He's in South Carolina, so... I went to South Carolina. I wrote this fucking 356-page novel in, like, 67 days. And he was like, get the fuck out of my house. And, and come back with some fucking good news, soldier. <laughs> so I did. I fucking left. I went to fucking New York City, and I ain't been back there in a while. I met up with my friends and shit. And my one friend, Nick, he passed away, but he had tattoo work on him that was done by Sophie Crum. And I was like, no shit, that's fucking cool as fuck. And uh, she was working tattoo work in New York City. And basically, she asked me to do a comic book after I'd met her, I got into TP number one and put this three-pager that I did totally sober, fucked up cartoon animal romance number one. And I put it into this comic book that she made, an anthology. It went well. And that leads to the next fucking part of the story. <laughs> when I met Sophie, I totally had a crush on her, dude. <laughs> Thought she was totally fucking rad. I didn't want to say anything, you know, but I felt like there was like this great energy between us at first. And, uh, you know, we're friends and uh, I didn't act on it. I'm glad I didn't. I saved myself some embarrassment. <laughs> we all got these moments, right? But just to fucking meet her was pretty mind-blowing, so by the time she asked me to do TP number one, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So I had been working on this cartoon called uh, Fucked Up Cartoon Animal Romance, 
which was basically based off of me and uh, an ex-girlfriend that, you know, just one of those ex-girlfriends that fucking twist your heart out, fellas. You know that. I just kind of took the whole ongoing, you know, feeling of it, kind of like the way the Punisher thinks about his family being brutally murdered in front of him over and over again. That's this character thinking about his breakup. Oh, God. So anyway, I did this little gag line fucking comic where uh, (laughs) the guy's all pissed off yelling at his fucking neighbors and his friend comes over (laughs) and uh, as soon as he opens the door, he gets hit in the head with a frying pan and his friend lectures him. He's like, you got to knock this fucking drinking shit off. When's the last time you took a decent shit? (laughs) You better eat some fucking Taco Bell. (laughs) And, you know, he sobers up for two weeks and fucking... He's like, yeah, I am doing fucking better. And um, all of a sudden he gets this, you know, answer machine call from his girlfriend, like, in a two-week period or whatever. And... Basically what happens is uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I Man, I am baked. I'm sorry. Okay, so what happens is, you know, two, a, f- a few days later, his friend comes back over, the door opens. Aldrin, the main character, hits the guy in the head with the frying pan, his best friend again. That's how it ends. I know I fucking mutilated that, but I think you get it. Anyway, um, basically, I... Gave her this three-page comic, and it got printed up, and everybody was like, dude, that fucking is awesome, blah, blah, blah. And my friend Byron, who also I had on the first episode of the Adam Air podcast, basically the, uh, if you like Pina Coronas, (laughs) that guy I was talking to, he's the only other artist besides me that after Sophie showed the comic book to her dad in in France and R. Crumb saw it and he was like who's that guy talking about me and he liked Byron shit too and uh, he flew all the way from uh, France to fucking New York to meet me and to meet Byron and he met Byron I wasn't there And then uh, Sophie called me up and was like, my dad wants to meet you at Odessa's if you want to do that, you know? It's like, okay, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, of course. Felt like I was in this dream, so really you're kind of in the beginning of this dream now because how many underground cartoonists are listening to this? And then how many of you have got to meet Crumb? You may or may not have. For me, it was big fucking deal. I flogged the fuck out of this story, too. You can imagine. (laughs) But basically what happened was... (laughs) We needed to meet at Odessa's uh, by Tompkins Square Park, Lower East Side. And there's two Odessa's. and I forgot that there was two of them, man, because I haven't really been there before. There's like a bar, and there's the restaurant. My fucking dumbass went to the bar, and I'm sitting there like a douchebag for like 15 minutes, and 
one of the girls that's friends with C-Squat, who Crumb is friends with friends at C-Squat, and plays in the East River String Band with Eden and John from C-Squat. They're not really from, C you know, Eden is. Anyway, whatever. They're all fucking associated with C-Squat. So Tanya and Eden were there. And there was this hack writer motherfucker. And there was a doctor of unknown origin. And four of them were sitting on one side. And on the other side, it was me and Crumb and Sophie. And all seven of us are somehow sitting at this table. And if you remember the Genesis um, book that Crumb did, he was only on page two. And... He had just started it, and the writer guy, you know, he he knows Crumb loves to put his fucking shit on display, and this is that writer guy's moment to get his dinner in with Crumb the same time I'm getting, so he's it's like a multi-purpose dinner. So the writer gets his fill, yakking and yakking and yakking. But before the fucking dinner got started, I was working on this big-ass drawing, and it was a picture of a squirrel eating a pigeon's brain. <laughs> and the pigeon's like laying dead in his arms. And there's a punk rocker on a bench in the background. And there's like a zombie dead cop, you know, giving this fucking loitering ticket out to this zombie dead punk. And a chunk of Tompkins Square Park floating in outer space. I was doing this shit with Ballpoint. And Crumb saw that and he was like, dude, what the fuck is that? And he like pretty much grabbed the drawing from me. I wasn't planning on bombing his ass, you know. You're gonna have manners being the fucking king of underground comics. <laughs> You're not gonna be disrespectful in front of the fucking Dom. <laughs> and uh, he grabbed it for me. <laughs> he fucking just picked it up and showed everybody at the table. Fucking look at this. Look at this shit. And was showing off my art to everybody else there. That was pretty cool, man. That's how you kind of got it to feel of who, what kind of, one of these uh, personal aspects of who Crumb really is. And so basically I uh, <laughs> was looking at the menu. He says, eh, hey, get anything you want. And I was like, he, I was like, anything I want? And he goes, knock yourself out. I said, I'll knock myself out. He goes, knock yourself out. <laughs> and the writer guy's just yakking it up. The doctor just sits there not saying shit. He's not saying anything. And the girls are sitting there and everybody's just listening to the writer and Crumb. At one point, the girls and the writer, they kind of look at each other and they go outside and they go to smoke a cigarette. And <laughs> Sophie makes this comment and she says, I got these fucking weird bumps on my tongue. <laughs> and Crumb goes, that's what you get for eating out of dumpsters. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> and here comes the doctor, and you get to kind of pan in on his face, you know, as if it were a TV show, and he goes, well, I am a doctor. <laughs> no shit. And Sophie disappeared with the fucking doctor in the back of the fucking restaurant for however long. And all of a sudden, it was just me and Crumb. And we had like, we actually talked for like 45 minutes and no one fucked with us. And I couldn't believe it. 
It was such an amazing fucking moment. And I knew I was 33 and my life was half over. So it was the end of the supper and uh, Crumb shared some shit with me. I can't tell you everything he told me. Some shit's just private, but the few things I will tell you, he fucking hated Johnny Ryan's ass. Maybe that's not fucking news. Later on when I met Johnny Ryan, he told me, well, Crumb hates me. Oh God. Crumb did tell me uh, I was better than a bunch of people that were in the industry. I don't necessarily think like that, you know? But he is who he is, so I just took the compliments. And I had these two different comic books, you know? I had the one that was a uh, fucked up cartoon animal romance. And I got this other one about these fucking filthy squatters that are just fucking degenerates. And he said, well, I read the punk rock one. I fucking didn't like that. <laughs> Very uninhibited, Did, didn't mind telling me. But he said, but that one you drew for Sophie, that's amazing. He's like, you got a, you got a cool way of telling the same old joke and just saying it differently. And he's like, don't ever lose that humor. Don't ever lose it. It's so important. He really stressed out about it. And, uh, and then he said, uh, you know, you'll probably never make a dime in this business. And I was like, well, that's not why I'm drawing. <laughs> and he said, good man. <sighs> it was a cool ass talk. I want to tell you all of it, but I can't. It's just not going to fucking happen. But I will tell you this. At the end of the dinner, we all went outside. And Crumb was having a kind of a heartfelt silent moment with Sophie saying goodbye because he was flying back that night and uh, <laughs> he looked over at he looked over at me after he got done and he goes don't forget what I told you kid and Sophie said he's not a kid dad he's 33 and he has a 10 year old son and he looked at me and he looked at her and he had this kind of look of disgust and he goes Jesus sober up <laughs> classic ass shit and me and Eden and Sophie just stood there and watched him walk up St. Mark's and every few feet he would turn around and wave at us with this sad ass puppy dog look on his face and he'd walk a little further and he'd turn around and he'd wave at us again and he did this all the way down the street into Manhattan and uh <laughs> That's about as classic of a fucking ending as you can get. <laughs> Five years later, <laughs> I was living in the Bay Area. And uh, I was at my little cannabis club. And I was knocking out these skateboard decks that were fucking tight. And the guy who ran the club... He wanted two of these decks I drew, you know? He's like, I'll give you 
anything you want, man. I was like, well, I need money. You know, life in the Bay Area ain't fucking cheap. And so I was like, I want, uh, you know, I wanted $2,500 apiece for these guys, and they, they were worth it. And uh, he knew it. So he's like, well, you know what, dude, I'll, I'll give you fucking anything you want out of the club for a fucking year. I was like, all right, dude, that's fucking rad. One day I came in after, right after that, and I brought him his decks, you know, and the, the deal began. And he goes, Adam, you know who Mr. Natural is? And I was like, yeah, the Crumb character. He goes, yeah, do you know he's real? And I was like, what? It kind of fucking threw me through a loop because I didn't know he was like this real dude, you know? I was one of those guys I didn't, I didn't fucking know. It was kind of like hearing Spider-Man's fucking real or Mickey Mouse or some shit. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, he has a music store up in Hayes Valley. I was like, that's fucking cool. So, you know, six months of hardcore smoking transpires, and I met this chick at a Motorhead show on my birthday. We started going out. And I was heading up to her house this one day, and I just stopped at the weed club, you know? And I had this gigantic-ass Keith Log fucking joint. <laughs> now I was going to smoke it with my girlfriend, you know? So we're heading up to the fucking house on the bus and I look out of the side of my eye and I see this big old brick building and there's like a fucking painting of Mr. Natural on the outside of it. <laughs> and I remember my my club guy going, hey, you know Mr. Natural's real, 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 real. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. So I was like, ding, 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 ding. And my girlfriend's like, what are you doing, dude? We got eight blocks to go. I was like, no, we got to get off here. Trust me. <laughs> mm. So I got off. And I went into this music shop. And it looked like Crumb drew it. You know? It looked like this, you know, crackety old wall with the fucking paint chipping. And an old fucking tuba hanging off the wall, you know? And all this other shit. And I was like, hmm. And I and I saw this little guy playing the piano and it was his back towards me. <laughs> it was fucking Mr. Natural, dude. So I said, I pulled the flaky foot and was all, what's it all mean, Mr. Natural? And he turns around, he's got the long fucking beard. And he goes, I'll tell you what it all means. It means Madonna was... Having a little problem last night at 3 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah? Because that's right. Roseanne Barr called, and this is before the Roseanne scandal. <laughs> and uh, I guess she called on behalf of Madonna. And she needed Mr. Natural's help because she was going through a rather nasty divorce. And her and her husband were fighting over castles that she owned. <laughs> and she didn't want the one in Spain. She wanted the one in Ireland. And that's the one he wanted. So Mr. Natural, being Mr. Natural, decides, the only cure for this is music. <laughs> and writes her a little ditty. Of course, she plagiarizes it inside of three minutes, has it 
plastered on the fucking web. <laughs> we talked for a while and I, I was like, so what, did the IRS end up harassing you for being Mr. Natural? And he goes, yes, it was fucking stupid. And he fucking showed me this postcard that R. Crumb had written. And basically it was a fucking contract with one million words written on the back side of this fucking postcard. He wrote one million words. <laughs> That's what he said. And if you look at it, it just looks like fucking solid ink, you know? Um, <laughs> I guess that was the permit for Mr. Natural... To to keep on being Mr. Natural. <laughs> so at one point, you know, he's just eyeballing my girlfriend. Just kind of like Mr. Natural would, you know? As a character, he'd just be all over your girlfriend. And uh, I had that key flog in my pocket, so I said, do you still partake, Mr. Natural? And he goes, do I still partake? And he got on his little cane, and he wobbled back to the back. And we went back to this fucking back room. And really, it was a room that Jim Morrison and the Grateful Dead and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, Crumb, all these guys had sat in this fucking room. And I sat in the same furniture that they did. <laughs> it hadn't been changed since then. And I whipped out the fucking joint and I smoked up with Mr. Natural, dude. No shit. And he... Went on for an hour and a half about fucking stories and crumb and all this other shit. Music. Life. And at the end, you know, we were wrapping it up and <laughs> I went outside and <clears throat> I said, you know, I just got done drawing this about, you know, five years ago that you and Flanky end up in my universe as cartoon characters. And he goes, well, whenever you draw becomes real, you go from being cartoonist to profit. And you should take that serious. He goes, bye. And he goes back into the fucking shop. My girlfriend kind of looks at me like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I knew it just happened. And it was the end of that dream. So the beginning of the dream was meeting Crumb, and the end was coming out like both creator and a creation at the same time, and it was awesome, and I feel blessed about it. And that's pretty much the end of this fucking story, goddammit. I'm gonna go smoke some more fucking moose and lobster, but before I do, I want to say thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Underground Cartoon Therapy. My name is Adam Air. I consider myself an MDGED. And I burp a lot on, on the air. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great weekend. Have a good night. And, uh... Don't... Fucking worry about anything. Just... Embrace it. I don't know. I'm trying to sound prolific. But you already got common sense, so I'm going to let you go. I love you. Bye. <laughs>